Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. And summer is sort of fading to um, to Coolth um, in most of uh, the country at the moment, unlike those poor devils suffering on the continent. Um, or in the US, or any, anybody think there was more energy being put into the system, gosh. Oh, you, you, you'll still be laughing when, when the waters of the Rye will rise about. Oh, excuse me, I'll do that again. You'll still be laughing when the wa- waters of of the of the Rye rise above your doorstep. You will. Well, I'll, your doorstep, at any rate. By the time it reaches your doorstep, uh, it'll be above my head. Anyway, uh, this month we are going to talk about deep and meaningful and important uh, topics that we could. We can uh, chop about a bit and use in role-playing campaigns and stories. Um, are, what, what good are the gods? What, no gods, are, no masters. No revolutionaries either, uh, we probably come to the conclusion of, as we look about which side we would like to be on uh, during uh, civil disturbances. But first... Uh, before we get into that, um, a couple of people have put money in our tip jar. Thank you very much to we Brian appreciate it. and to Dave Morris. Yes, the great Dave Morris. The Dave Morris, not a Dave Morris, except no uh, substitutes. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Now. When you are creating, as I am in a desultory sort of a fashion, a fantastical or historical setting, or pseudo-historical setting for your role-playing games, one of the things that tends to come up are the gods. Now, I think I'm probably right in saying that there is no um, human historical culture that didn't have the idea of the gods. There are some people are, you know, hopeful for the future. Uh, it's very easy to fall into Western cultural assumptions on that. I mean, while every primitive culture has some something that says that this is why storms happen or this is why the sun rises, as far as I know, they, they are not necessarily here as an individual being that you could appeal to. Uh, there are... You do see, tend to see at least um, the ascribing of spirit to um, hmm. just about everything. I'll agree that mo- most many spirits aren't the sort of things you can um, appeal to, and uh, and drawing their attention may be a, a generally a bad idea. But uh, they are at least conscious, willing, and have intent. I think there is some ritualism that links up with that. This is the right way of doing a thing, and, and that is the wrong way of doing the thing, which obviously can overlap with this is the right mm. way to make a sea voyage to the next island that's out of sight yeah. and not die. So, Well, yeah, the, uh, uh, the one sometimes has a sense that the reason... Um, uh, that the, the, the ritual and, and the conservatism comes first 
and the ascribing of the motives to you don't want to upset the spirits comes second. But leaving aside the task of imagining a a cult culture without the idea of gods, or even well, I think spirits in when you can talk to them and propitiate them are very like gods, are a are a, a subspecies of powers you have to propitiate. Um, that, but I'm starting with the assumption, which is core to most fantasy settings, that is, that there are beings behind the, at least aspects of the universe, if not the whole universe together, and you have to treat them seriously, and they have, are part of your life. So, well, the, the problem is what what you've established there is unlike yeah. the conditions of any human religion ever. Oh, why do you say this? You have Roger? actual proof that you have evidence that the gods exist. Uh, you, I think you, you're particularly in your, your classic fantasy, where not not only does a priest say, "I worship God X," and, and so God X gives me the power to heal you, cure diseases, whatever. But if that priest falls away from worship of God X, they will lose that power. Okay, I will say first of all, you are jumping a stage ahead. I I, I was going to say that you can just as easily invent a god who doesn't really exist in order to give your, your game flavour. Um, but And the second point, you have to tread carefully if you want there to be a certain degree of game, um, tension, of tension in the game, the, the possibility of heresy. You have to tread gently with the assumption that God is watching every second I will cut you off the instant you have a naughty thought. The, the uh, which is in AD and D is is to blame for a lot of this. Oh uh, well, all right. They... Because because there is that whole set of rules. You know, you get the nifty powers, but you put a foot wrong, you lose the powers. That uh, that, right. that implies things about the degree to which your god is watching you. That may not be compatible with a lot of worlds. It may not. Uh, yeah, I remember my first D and D paladin losing her paladinatehood, but um, yeah. Happens to the best of us. I, uh, I feel by definition, my lord, it does not happen to the best of us. What <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, well, the question I was going to ask was, after all those preliminary remarks, was what sort of gods is it useful and or believable to have in uh, um, a fantasy setting? Are there? Let me start from from a simple point. Uh, is it useful to have a different set of gods for the extraordinary people, the adventurers, and the ordinary people, the farmers? It seems to me that that is a thing that is largely cultural. I mean, you, you maybe you're going to be an adventurer, but traditionally you, you grew up not as an adventurer. You know, maybe your parents were, but yeah. you, you interact with other people. You make a choice whether you're going to go out and do that or whether you're going to be a, a farmer or whatever. Hmm. I think saints are a very useful saints or and or heroes, which is sort of the same thing. Is a are a very useful devi device here. Be you beings belong with some degree of divine nature, but not gods per se. Yeah, yeah so, uh, beings that provide a way to be part of the overall religion, but um, uh, but not following the main course of the overall religion. Ah, uh, he has sworn his, his soul uh, to Saint Superbus, 
and uh, and he is no longer one of us, but he's still one of the family. We still send him cakes at Christmas. Though I, I think a pantheon can do that as well. I mean, I, I, uh, having a classical education, I tend to think of the Greek model, but the Norse one works as well. That you know, you you, you will make propitiation to the various gods depending on the, the thing you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you uh, if you want uh, for, fortune in in wooing and marriage, you you make a sacrifice to Aphrodite. That does not mean you are dedicated to Aphrodite for your life. It means that's what you're doing right now. And yeah, yeah. So somebody who's doing a, a lot of fighting, for example, might say, "Right, I will dedicate myself to Ares, and and I will make special sacrifices to him a lot." But mm. the, you know, there's, there's there's a degree of this. It's it's not this one to the exclusion of all else. When he when he gets married, he'll still make a sacrifice to Aphrodite. Uh, yeah, um, and and his wife will make uh, sacrifice to the uh, the goddess who is in charge of childbirth eventually. Uh, Hestia, or I think Hestia. <sighs> the, the, the heart home fire, yes, possibly. The, uh, the 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 game mechanical thing seems to have several layers. I I go back to RuneQuest in this because I feel that it's. In its in its um, best moments, it's a re- it's a really good way as a really good way of doing this. You are you are a, a member of a pantheon. You are dedicated to that particular god, and if you go far enough, you become a devotee, a, a rune lord, or something of 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 a, a particular god. Uh, they used to say that that um, seven eighths of the of the population. Followed the, what was expected of their culture and their gender, but an eighth was special and had um, special paths to follow, and that seems about right for um, for the proportion of heroes you find in the average fantasy um, setting. Um, it's tricky because you, you, it, it varies a lot with campaign, but I think because the focus is always on heroes, it's very hard to tell how many non-heroes there are. I mean, at, at the one extreme, you, you've got your classic, this town exists to cater to adventurers, and so there are a lot of adventurers in it. Uh, at, at the other extreme, you've got, well, you know, how many peasants does it take to support one knight, and how, how many tradespeople... Yeah. Farmers, etc. Does it take to support one adventurer? I, I don't mean in terms of owing them field; it just in terms of producing the stuff that they consume. There is, a, there is a good. Uh, it would be a good tradition if each uh, if each fresh fantasy setting uh, involved involved protecting uh, the village from the from the raiders, a la Magnificent Seven, just to indicate who's really important. Um, and it's it's a good introductory setting. Um, introductory adventure for just about everything. I was thinking also about the ways in which one relates to a god or spirit or a hero or or a saint or whatever. Um, I think there are probably the the most notable thing about the Western tradition both the both uh, pagan and prejudiced word nowadays um uh, both Christian and non-Christian is that you feel some sort of mental relationship towards this being, imaginary or not. You feel love, as uh, you feel protected. You feel um, 
we see now. Instructed, God is a teacher, God as teacher. You feel um, respectful to God as lawgiver. And in some cases, you feel very, very afraid and not, um, and not in the tainted with love and respect uh, manner that Christianity tries to push. There are gods you ought to you ought to be very frightened of. Looking, for example, at um, pre-Christian religion in in Russia, you you have the white god and the black god, god Bielobog and Chernobog. And you basically try to avoid coming to the attention of either of them because it isn't going to end well for you. The Russian saying is, may God preserve and keep the Tsar well away from us. Or is that just the Jewish-Russian saying? I think it was probably made up for the the musical, but anyway. so It is wise, nonetheless. Here is a thing that hasn't happened much historically. Um, You give each culture its own pantheon. Then you have these cultures meeting. But yeah. you have much more than the historical degree of meetings. So, rather than simply syncretizing, um, i.e., saying, "Okay, you know that that's your goddess of love. This is our goddess of love. They're obviously the same goddess. We just worship them differently." This, this is a thing mm. that has happened to some extent historically, when, for example, you had Egyptians and Greeks meeting. Yeah. Um, but the thing that happens in a lot of fantasy settings is more, okay, well, we have our pantheon and you have your pantheon and we, we just regard them as separate things. And, and you are obviously wrong, but we don't particularly care about that. This is where it gets unrealistic, of course. Hmm. The kindliness of the Roman tradition of regarding, well, yes, that's, that's, that's Venus, that is. It is sort of moderated by the fact that they had a tendency to take, um, other cultures, um, gods captive and uh, use them for, as a means of keeping control of their of their conquest. As far as I can see, the basic approach was, okay, your, your chief priests admit that the emperor is the chief god and your gods are subordinate to him. Excuse me, there's a meow in the background. Hello. <laughs> yeah, uh, hang on. Whereas the, whereas the British tendency was to say, yes, you're all wrong. It's very interesting in an anthropological way, but you're all wrong. And you, you, you will not be going to church, and the Church of England is the church you will not be going to. <laughs> the All right, so what's useful in gods um, for the GM and for the story in the, uh, in the game universe? Well, mo- most brutally, if you have priests, what, what is motivating them? Yeah, priests in a very broad sense. Yeah, you know, pe- people who, to some extent, have dedica- dedicated their life to the service of a deity. Why does the deity need that? I mean, it, what is what form does that service take? Does it just involve getting a whole lot of people to, to um, submit their tithes, or is there something actually? You know, what one common thing I've seen is that the gods just, in some way, need worship. Yeah, and if you. If you introduce that into your setting, then interrupting the god's flow of worship is the sort of thing that um, high-level adventurers uh, tend to like to do. Um, it's, but it's very rare that in a stable society where worship of, of this set of gods is the thing that you do and it's the normal thing that you do it's very rare that you're going to actually see any proof of the uh, of the vulnerability of the gods to um interception if you want to make 
if you want a, God, a, a game about God's living and dying and and the understanding of divinity changing, then that's a that's a very good rule. But on on the other hand, um, you can um, you can just as easily say the gods do not need you, but you are, prove you're a good person by being being respectful to the gods. Well, oh what, dear, what we're back advantage. at we're back at Plato. Damn it! <laughs> what advantage of of the um, requiring worship thing is that you can have the old the old gods becoming the new demons. Um, mm. You know, they, before the conquest, everybody worshipped X, and now all the people who worshipped X have been forcibly converted to the, to the new imperial religion, or for the most part, anyway. Uh, and the few remaining worshippers maybe have, have a different uh, approach, because they are the people who have survived the conquest, and may, maybe maybe that, that's where you get your witch cult from, depending on what, yeah. what, you, what you have your what your witch cult looks like. There are obviously a lot of options on that. The idea of the suppressed pagan religion um, hanging around behind um, behind the established cult is a very 19th century, dare I say, um, yes. picture of... Uh, but, but it's popular in fantasy, so one, one should at least allow for the possibility. Yeah. The... The idea that it's it's very easy to persuade players and perhaps even who knows even heroes in the game universe that uh, you worship you give a little to get a little you worship in order to share the power of the god um, and the god keeps wanting uh, wanting you to make fresh sacrifices in order to advance you in the understanding of his of its power. Well, yeah, I, th- I think the the basic problem here is that the vast majority of players are not particularly religious people, and even if they are, they do not have the medieval attitude to religion, which is the most appropriate one for a fantasy setting. Which, uh, define, yeah, go, you were going to go on and define. Well, I th- I think that that is essentially everything you do. You think about how that affects your your position with God, whether that's simply your moral position, or you know, depending on on the type of religion, your your, your personal relationship. That mostly comes a bit later. But you know, you, you you're not looking for miracles because every tiny thing that happens can be a miracle. True, and it there, there is um, Georgette Heyer, mostly known for her Regency romances wrote a book, My Lord John. Yeah. And nobody in it ever mentions God. And once one notices this, it's a bit, hang on a minute, this this just isn't isn't plausible. No, quite. Uh, the the requirements of the requirements of standard worship um, of attending church. Actually I'm not quite sure how true that is. Um, how easy it was was to get away with not attending church in pre-Reformation days. After after the Reformation, it becomes uh, ludicrously difficult. Yeah, they're, uh, to, they're keeping lists and things. Yeah. But, yeah, the, everything is, is used under that metaphor. And you're right, most players are non-religious. They're not anti-religious, but they are non-religious. In many ways, I think... Uh, a uh, 
a thoughtful atheist is going to make, have a better job at making a sense of this sort of universe than somebody who is um, just uh, just not particularly interested in the subject. Well, I think a, an atheist is coming to this from, from the position that here is what people believe in this setting, whereas I have certainly met religious people who have great trouble getting round the idea that here is something that people believe here which may be true here, even though it's not the thing they believe. I've never come across somebody with... Um... Well, mostly I think they stay away from games in the first place because they've been told they're scary. True. But <laughs> I, I've, I've certainly met this. And some of them are, are perfectly capable science fiction gamers but just, just can't get on with fantasy. Oh, that's interesting. I... Uh... I, I hadn't thought that there are people who um, I, who I know in real life are, are are devotees of a particular religion, and they will play well in uh, settings where that religion is possible and is possible to explain the setting in terms of their favoured religion. But um, uh, I've never hmm, I've never found anybody who who. Uh, like Tim Powers in his novels, just assumes that their religion is true, um, and uh, and and the real and the real deal, and everybody else is wrong. Uh, did, uh, speaking uh, to an uh, atheist, I, th- I think hello. I am at the moment. Hello. Uh, how difficult is it for you then to uh, to get your head into? That said, what well, is these your... days, it's a fantasy. You know, if I can accept wizards and elves, why can't I accept gods? True. I, uh... I, I may, f- yeah. If, if the gods are sufficiently significant, uh, I, I may feel that perhaps adventuring here is pointless. But that's a, that's a world design, campaign design problem, not because they're gods. Hang on. All right, I want justification for that last remark. Why do gods make things pointless? Um, so. Basically, the same thing if you ha- if you have um, the the restrictions of destiny works just the same way. You know, if, if you have your prophesied fate, or if a god mm. can simply pick you up and flick you over there, then what's the point? You can't achieve anything. Uh it should be noted there are good explanations. Well, they satisfy me a little bit anyway <laughs> uh, for why the gods don't use all their power all the time to fix everything right away. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the setting. I'm not. I'm not saying this is this is an inevitable thing, but um, that would be a thing I would be at least mildly concerned about because I've se- I've seen campaigns in which that didn't hold together well. But you know, as long yeah. as the world does essentially seem to work, which is a thing I ask really of any setting, gods or not, uh, it's just another element. How do you react? How would you react in a, a definitely? A, agnostic setting like uh, Earth, the Bainstorm world uh, from Steve Jackson games. How, how would you... How, there, there is magic, there are wizards, there are lots of religions, most of them recognisable. Um, that seems uh, to me much more realistic in terms of human nature. You know, you, you've got these people scooped up from multiple times and places. They brought their religions with them. They've drifted a bit, inevitably. Yeah. Um, but they were not in the way of expecting, oh, well, the priest can stick your, stick your arm back on, mm. and they don't have it. Yeah, there, there are some priests who are magicians, but they don't claim, oh, well, God, God causes this to happen. They, they are magicians, yeah. they've studied it. So, 
shrug. I mean, I, I was it, just wondering it, what you what sort of role you would take up, and what sort of uh, what sort of uh, character you would have vis-a-vis religion in that sort of setting. <laughs> it depends on the campaign. Depends on what seems like fun. I mean, goodness, I don't I don't always play characters who think the same way I do. And okay. particularly since Mainstorm is, is very carefully set up to, to stamp hard on free thinkers of any 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 kind. Outside of Treadroy, yes. So, yeah, shrug. Um, I would like to mention, because it's a very good book, The Curse of Trillian, uh, Master Bujold, which yes. I think was the first book I read which really did a good job of showing just how much God slash the gods are just always in people's thoughts in the in the medieval mindset. And I would say that it is it uh, it shows a very good um, demonstration of what I think of when I, I say you have a personal relationship with the god, and not what um, not what I think American fundamentalists are saying about that. Uh, you uh, the, the the chief character has given in a moment of desperation, has given his fealty to one of the gods, and the gods are taking it back in uh, in, uh, in hard work. The, the question, the, 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 circling back to the question I started with, um, what gods are useful to have in a, in a, in a fantasy setting? Um, what can you do to make the gods entertaining and a good choice for a player character to follow i think a lot of uh, fields of endeavor on the greek model of the roman mm. model uh, are are or indeed the norse model are a good one here you know, you're you're doing thing x that means you 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 want to be on the right side of god y who is in charge of x yeah. If you want to be realistic, then then there are fuzzy boundaries and and nobody quite agrees on where they lie. But that that's that's an extra layer of sophistication. You, you you're going on a sea voyage. You make sacrifice to Poseidon. If Poseidon is still pissed off at you from last time, you, you have you considered going by land? Yeah, reputation with God, positive and negative. The enemy brackets God. I mean, there's, there's precedent. <laughs> Yeah, you're quite right. You are accursed. You are accursed by God. For compensation, nobody will be able to kill you. He wants to kill you himself. Yeah. <laughs> Death's too good for him. I'm going to make sure that applies. The, the, can you... Hmm, we've, we've talked about the possibility of God's fading whether yeah. whether by lack of worship or, or for other reasons can can you have new gods arriving can pcs become new gods i have come very close to that the heroes of a campaign that i run transformed into um a, a corporate entity called, called the silver dragon and helped bring in the next age of the world um and I stole that bit from Unknown Armies, which in some of its settings is all about the fact you're coming to the end of this stage of the world and what is going to survive to the next one. I think it's doable. It's also a ridiculous power trip of a sort which um, normally you wouldn't necessarily want to um, indulge. But if you're in that... 
the 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 fun in this is in the realizing that things have grad you know you, you're not dropped suddenly into this uh, oh you you could be a god just just win this lottery ticket uh, but but the idea that you have gradually over the, an extended play ramped up in power to the point where hang on a minute actually this now seems quite reasonable or at least you know it's, it's within sight uh look look it's another possibility um it's written up in the most recent Path of Cunning, um, which I'll link in the show notes. The um, Infinite will. Cabal game run by John Dalman. Yeah. Where the characters started off as Kabbalistic wizards uh, working for Sir Isaac Newton and ended up interacting not, not as peers with gods, but, you know, we, we had the keys to their houses. <laughs> and, you, and you feed their cats when they go away on holiday. So... Yeah, we, we we were not trying trying to become ultimately powerful because of who we were, but that was definitely a feeling of yeah, all right. We we understand these gods in a different way from what your your standard worshipper or hero understands of the gods. Yeah, I I, I think that the problem with uh, with gods, I I find it very difficult to find a, a mental path for ordinary humans to become. Even low-level gods. Yeah, but adventurers aren't ordinary humans, or, or not necessarily. They don't have to be. True. Uh, particularly, of course, in, in a setting with a lot of magic. If the more you, the more you discover about how magic works, the, the more that can become a path to. Yeah, and if 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 uh, magic is a thing you don't just know how to do, it's a thing you you become, a thing you embody in yourself. Then I think that's more logical. As a as a method of uh, moving beyond this plane, Gertz Gabel details some of the outline of a method to become, you know, that ludicrously powerful over over time. But um, I, I, uh, except in your case, I've never actually seen it done. I, I, I think the, the point thing- is that if if you're still trying to become ludicrously powerful, you are missing the point. Because yep. go- clearly, gods do not e- even the Greek gods, who are as close to humans with more power as as I can think of, yeah, um, do not just casually do the things they want to do. Well, there are, so there, there, there's well, something in in that process that that is going to realign your priorities, whether you have to realign them before you can progress, or whether it does it for you. Yeah, that, that's well, up to two, the GM. Well, two things. First of all, I think destiny. In the Greeks, in the Greek setting, destiny applies to the gods as well. The gods can't just do what they want. And sim- similarly, in Norse, you know, Ragnarok is going to come. We know what's going to happen. That is not something you can avoid. One other thing I was going to say is that you can't, um, you can't really let the player characters hang around people who are destined to be gods who aren't them. Because um, it becomes a matter of of being one of the minor apostles wandering around and watching what Jesus does, or or just listening to the GM describe his wonderful ideas about uh, how this new revelation is going to work. I think, in if there's going to be a new power, yes, it should be um, produced out of what the player characters want to have, but. I'm not at all sure you can plan for that in advance. It's just something you have to pick up and run with if well, it comes up. 
again, in, in Infinite Cabal, it was an NPC who became the new Demiurge. Oh, is it, what's, what's the pension like on that? Healthcare? Um, well, we, we, we'd already fixed some, some, and basically we, we were, um, helping out with lining things up so that that replacement slash ascension could happen. Hmm. Um, that, that, that doesn't mean we're going to be part of the legend, but it's, it's not really the sort of position that has a legend associated with it anyway. Oh, right. The archangel at the back of the bar who says, ah, oh, young, young, young celestials today. They don't re- remember what it was like in the old days. Uh, yeah, that's because you rewrote all their memories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sometime. Ah, uh, yeah. Another thing I was going to say is bad examples of, uh, of, um, pantheons. I quote Glorantha and Tekimel as good examples of how pantheons have been allowed to grow and gain more detail and specialise over time. I I look at Hahn and I think that isn't quite right. You've got two, maybe three different kinds of two different kinds of evil gods and one neutral wicked god. You have a god of chivalry, you have a god of knowledge, you have a god of healing and farming, and you have a, um, what I think the young people would call a, uh, a an Odin XP, stuck up at the north for the Vikings to worship. Hey. But it doesn't really feel right as a, a realised world. The excuse is that all these cults, except, oh, except for the native cult who is a monster maker, um, all of those cults come from somewhere else in the universe and just landed up on this island far from their original source. But that still feels wrong to me, sort of um, thrown together for pure, purely to give the player characters something to relate to and something to draw power from. I'm I, reminded I, of, I th- it may have been Peter Delorto's comments on... Um, World building for dungeon fantasy. Yeah, you know, do, do not rule out the possibility of having a frozen north, because if somebody wants to play a barbarian, they will want <laughs> to come from the frozen north. That that's all you need to know about it. It's where barbarians come from. That is a that is a dungeon world level of uh, of world creating, and that has its pleasures as well. Um, and you and you must have steps probably to the east, but you could have them to the west as well for the horse barbarians to come from. Uh, and and a sea for pirates, and so and as I think Andrew Rilston said, some mountains over there for the players to fall off of. Hey. I I find it difficult. I think what I'm resolving to myself in my bit of um, of early role gaming is to decide define one culture clearly, ensure that. I have room to expand the story of their divine beings back into the past and give it more depth and detail and secrets. But don't specify too early. Just sketch it in vaguely. Yeah, I think at least some of this um, comes into the top-down versus bottom-up design conflict because you need... 
you might decide, okay, I'm not going to just find any gods up front and just wait wait until until there's a need for one. But it's much easier to be able to say, okay, you know, there, there are nine major gods, so this is what the temple district of the city looks like, or yeah. or whatever. In, in even if you say, okay, I'm not going to assign every field of human endeavor to one of them um, yet. Just as as it's needed, but it, but it's nice to be able to say, oh yeah, um, the, the, this is the um, hearth fires and uh, keeping your home safe, God, and also for some reason fish, but not the sea, just fish, just fish. I be, see. Be, because of some weird thing several hundred years ago. Why why is Poseidon the god of horses anyway? <laughs> there, well, one of the things I was considering and um, I don't know if it, I could make it work, is to leave the highest powers out of it altogether and just have the culture follow various heroes or saints. I, I think saint is, is in many ways a better word than hero, that it comes with baggage from Christianity that uh, you, you, people will hear even if I don't want, want them to have it. But well, yeah, I mean... Something that was once human but is now in charge of uh, an eternal part of the universe. Has has been, to some extent, raised beyond human. Yeah. Even if they're not necessarily immortal, but they're, they're going to be around for a while, probably. I, I think the, the advantage there is that you can say... Um, oh, the opposite of what you were saying before. You know, we, we are definitely worshipping the same gods as you normal people. Yeah. But our worship takes the the form of dedication to this particular saint who is about smiting evil, rather than that particular saint who is about keeping your house safe. You might unite the the, the factions by saying um, we all revere the ancestor or the the founder of our of our culture or some um, unifying mythical fi- figure without bringing in the idea of transcendental gods who gods who aren't in and of the world that is uh, that's that brings in a lot of difficulties and a lot of um a lot a lot of subtext that uh, that uh, you might be able to do without if you concentrate on what's actually emotionally and socially important to the players. Yeah, certainly it's very easy for me, having been brought up as a Christian, to drift into that as the assumption of the way things are, or indeed into the classical Greek model as the assumption of the way things are. And it's, I think it's much more interesting if one doesn't just follow one of those but makes up something, something a bit more distinctive. Are there things that aren't being used, models that... Uh, practically um, all we- the African stuff. Yeah. What do I know about the? I know damn all about the. That's Africa part of the problem. Stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know as much as I would like. Um, but uh, and another consideration: this is, this is an actively evolving religion or set of religions. Mm. Um, the the um, it, it is so much easier to study once they've stopped ringing about. Yeah, but um, oh, the 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 Yoruba religion for example with, with, oh. the, with the Orisha um, which translates uh, in my memory to gods or big spirits weakly godlike ah um, actually that's a I was thinking that was a useful classification strongly godlike uh, moderately godlike and weakly godlike 
but there is at least one um, who has been observably invented in the 20th century. So, <laughs> you know, great. What, what, what is his fear? What is that? What is that? Uh, she, she, she's a female fire deity. There was a male fire deity before. Okay. And he retired? No, no, he, he he's still there for, for you know traditional keep, keeping keeping the hearth going, and she's more going going out and burning your enemies, as far as I can tell. I, I may have this entirely uh, wrong, so you know, apologies. Apologies for any slander to your developing pantheon. I, I did oh. borrow her for the World War Two campaign, where the, the, and that's why Chicago isn't there anymore. But anyway, that's another story. Okay. <laughs> Suddenly kicked out over a, a bucket um, in, in all of the uh, all of the uh, uh, barns in Chicago. No, no, it involved the pile one experiment. Um, I th- I think to summarise my my view on this is first decision is how what do the religions look like and then make the gods to you know the the the, the human manifestations of how God happens. So design the temples and the and the festivals first, and yeah, do, then do, figure do, out do what we want implies. a uh, that 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 classic of twentieth um, century fantasy that the Church of No Redeeming Virtues um, that that just seems to exist to to to, to uh, screw over the PCs and, and other people who don't conform. Um, yeah, or not? Uh, I mean, it, it's a bit tedious, but clearly the concept is needed because it hasn't gone away yet. I think I think it's much more interesting to have a a religion which is basically sound but has uh, a lot of uh, a lot of dodgy people uh, hanging around hanging around in it. Um, yeah, and th- that in itself puts a limit on how much the gods will interfere because a sufficiently activist god will say, "All right, that that bishop is very dodgy. I will smite him." And I will keep smiting them until they produce until I have a bishop who isn't dodgy. Yeah, I I once introduced an NPC uh, saint. Um, it was in a Harnik campaign. Um, who was there to uh, put? Uh, come from the continent uh, to put the local church of the goddess of chivalry right about uh, the things they've been 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 up to. If I were more courageous nowadays, I would make. Um, I'd have made uh, a, a PC, given the PC that job, or even heaven knows, um, uh, made the uh, uh, made the uh, entire party into a bunch of reluctant Jonas being forced by God to go and, and proclaim their their word. I've a great sympathy for a great deal of sympathy for Jonah, poor bugger. One of the things I like about a, a relatively hands-off God is that you can have disagreements on the right way to do things. Yeah. What does God actually want? Uh, which you can't if they're just going to answer you. <laughs> well, that is the uh, that that is the awkward thing. I I don't know that I've got a player who would uh, who would respond well to uh, this. Is your character? You have been hearing voices from God, and I think it would be a terrible burden to lay on somebody who didn't actually choose it for themselves but if somebody did give me the chance to gear to say did come to me and say i want i want to play joan of arc and i would say let's go for it 
I think what this is where a system like GURPS is really helpful because that has a point value and it's either positive or negative. <laughs> uh, I think I think if if you're doing it sensibly, it has both positive and negative aspects. <laughs> um, God nags God nags you all the time, uh, can be compensated for, but occasionally God does you favours. Anyway, so, in, in ter- okay, are, are there unhelpful gods? I mean, are, are, there, are there patterns you want to avoid? Ah. Uh, Gods who expect um, non-sustainable levels of virtue. Um, it's good for angst. It's good for people who are, for players who want their characters to be tempted and tested. And uh, gods, sometimes gods who don't say what they mean it can be a pain in the backside. The one time I played Dogs in the Vineyard. I discovered that the deliberate leaving of matters of doctrine to be decided to the by the player characters was designed to provoke gunfights. And there mm. didn't seem to be any path of resolving our religious difficulties that didn't end in a gunfight. And I lost the resulting gunfight, so I feel bitter and twisted about it. Uh, clear, clearly your, your theological argument was not superior. My dice luck certainly wasn't. Um, the uh, there are gods, there are gods are uh, who promote trouble, intolerance. For for us in our current socio-economic development phase, uh, we see tolerance as a virtue. Um, though I do see a new wave of puritanism and to a certain degree, prudery um, coming along. The uh, the idea that of a god who says my way or no way and, uh, and kill them all, God will know his own, is, uh, is, is, is to us naturally a villain. But you could say that's the natural state of humankind. It's a default... Um, human assumption that we are right and they are wrong. Does it lead to an enjoyable game? I think the answer to that will depend on your players. I, I would certainly be not particularly enthused by that. Hmm. I can't I can't see I can't see me selling a game of Crusaders for whatever religion um to my uh, to my players. Um I don't think they could take uh, having having one paladin in the, in the party who does their best and tries to keep them on the straight and narrow and is an intolerable pain is um, is is well known well tread trod territory and um, and something that most um, uh, that m- most people have played with at some time an entire party of paladins slash crusaders might be hell on earth. Hmm. Well, the, the trick is make, making sure that doesn't become dogs in the vineyard. Yeah, um, the uh, the presence of the self righteous cult of the people who know that they are in the right and are going to trample over anybody who gets in the way. There, there are villains nowadays, and I'm not sure it's entirely fair, but it's certainly the way our culture works. Oh well. I think, I think trickster gods are also a 
painted the backside. <laughs> Especially they're, if you they're, get... they're pl- the players who, whose characters worship them certainly are. Yeah. Um, and the uh, trouble is I do have at least one player who is really very good at that sort of thing, and I shouldn't indulge him, but I do every time, you know. Mm. I, a, a trickster who knows their limitations is actually a great help to the party, but um, a trickster who doesn't is a pain in the backside, is is the epitome of... Uh, I'm only doing it because that's, that's the way my player would behave. Um, made flesh with additional... Um, uh, powers of illusion and uh, and pickpocketing. Yep. Okay, have we battered this about? Oh, I think so. Let's move on a little. This springs out of some things we've been saying earlier, and again, out of my vague plans to uh, write a setting. I had vaguely settled on a Chinese-based setting, which meant that in order to um, answer the question, is the social order established from on high, uh, you could have the device of the mandate of heaven, of a failing in the current powers that be, that gives an opportunity for somebody else to um, step in. Which led me to thinking about the stories of the water margin, of the uh, of the rebels inspired by the gods or some sort of release of captive souls. I'm going to have to play that one up uh, a bit. Uh, to be able to uh, take... Uh, to form a, a ragtag alliance against the oppressive state. And I thought to myself, when I play, uh, pitch this to players, am I going to pitch this as them being the righteous um, uh, forces of the law, putting down the, uh, the, the rebels? Or am I going to pitch it to them as the righteous revolutionaries um, uh, strike, make, striking the first blow against the uh, the oppression and bringing fresh virtue to the state. I think there's a lot pointing you towards rebels on this. I thought you'd say that. Go on. I'm not saying I necessarily agree, but I think there's a lot that points you towards it, starting with the Western-slash-pulp roots of a lot of role-playing. And leading yeah. through Star Wars, you know, we, we we like to think of ourselves as the plucky underdogs, taking taking on the great big, oppressive mm. whatever. Yeah, I I have less delight in um, in the idea of revolution than uh, than some people do. Well, me too. Uh, um, the, the, I I look at the Russian Revolution as an example because. Yeah. A lot of revolutions, whether visibly or not, have these two stages. You know, stage one, everybody agrees that the the government is corrupt and oppressive and has to go. And then, okay, what do we do next? 
So, you know, that, that was the February Revolution. And then the October Revolution, the, the, the uh, party that was, was the fringe party has, has picked up lots of pop- popular momentum by lying to the people, and suddenly it's in charge and everybody else is being shot. I think my prejudice goes back... Uh, don't, don't be the Mensheviks, you know. <laughs> my prejudice goes back a step further um, uh, to the French Revolution, where basically... Uh, they got it into their heads that if you kill enough people, everything will be all right. Mm-hmm. But and, and again, uh, but, you, you have a, a broad coalition that says this uh, this old system is wrong, and then once it's done, once the once they've won, the external enemy is gone, and they fight each other, and then that gets very vicious indeed. And then one one of the factions in the broad coalition comes out on top. On the other hand, um, on the other hand, I, I grow, I've grown up in a culture, and I'm quite comfortably settled in, in a culture where the things that were being revolted against in the, um, in the French and uh, Russian revolutions, and who knows how many others have mostly lost except for their current resurgence and been established as being beyond the pale and outside the law. Um, so I find myself very amb- ambiguous here. I have not been convinced by the value of revolutions since I was a young person. Uh, but uh, on, the, on the other hand, I find myself revolted by the resurgence of the ancien regime we're currently suffering under, uh, whilst being aware that I was never fit enough to lead a revolution anyway. Uh, so the, the question is, could we make could we make a presentation that equally favoured here? You can be the rebels, or you can be the authorities, or is there, or or is it innately more interesting to be the revolutionary? And the heck with the, con- the with the consequences. You're reacting to the evil, the oppression, the inadequacy now. Well, I th- I think that's several questions. Uh, for a start. Unless it is a particular style of game that supports it, I think you want all the party moving in the same direction. I don't think it's possible to split to split on this matter. If effectively, you would have two separate games at that point. So, yeah. I, I, I certainly think it is possible to um, produce a setting in which you are the anti-revolutionary forces and make that interesting. Hmm. Uh, it, it's more of a challenge. Because by definition, you're you're saying you you are the arm of the people in power, and you know the, a a a small uh, the the way anarchists actually were in in the twenties and thirties in England, yeah. a, a small group without widespread popular support. Um, they they may may or may not have a point, but you can. It's not too hard to say, right? You you are actually a troublemaker, and you you over there are not. Mm. Um, whereas, if there is the possibility of a genuine popular revolution, which is much harder to achieve, then you've got an awful lot of people whose only crime is is feeling that they haven't got the thing they should have. Yeah, that that's how you get the mass movement started. Um, consider the tea parties for a recent example a, a lot of that is based in resentment you know those people there's always a those people there has to be have got the stuff that you should have and that that's yeah. why you're poor not because of extreme corporate profit taking i think 
I think the the most interesting proposal I have seen about this sort of theme recently was in Rain, where uh, the idea was that your you were the people who had been appointed by the uh, by the government to take to control a recently taken over um, city and bring law and order to it, despite the fact that. Uh, there are numerous other factions in the city who think they should be in charge and you should be strung up by your ankles from a from a lamppost. In that case, you could find yourself fighting all sides at once and trying to establish um, some sort of balance and justice in the relationships in the city. Yeah, but, I think the classic Western mode of that story is that you go native. Really? Really? You, you you end up with a, with a lot more sympathy with the locals who are just trying to live their lives, and then you become a buffer layer, telling the powers above you that yes, everything is fine. You know, we, we're going to send our our men to the army and our, our tithes to the granaries and whatever. While not mentioning that, you know, no, nobody actually seems to turn up for the for the six a.m. praising the emperor, mandatory worship anymore. But you know, yeah. nobody notices, so nobody cares. I think I. The, the water margin is a cunning, cunning setting because it is um, peripheral to the uh, to to the central power of the state. It's the sort of place where control has never been that strong, and the profits out of it are never going to be that great. But you absolutely have to have it under control if you're going to continue to be the uh, the powers that be. And that that's what makes it interesting from the from the point of view of being the uh, the authorities, the law and order. Well, not not forgetting that the, the the novel of the water margin mm. um, ends up very very Robin Hood style of the outlaws are granted amnesty and enlisted by the government to to resist um, the the incoming nomads. Yeah. So. There is, a, there is a greater threat there. Uh, Robin and Marion. There was a wonderful movie. The uh, the aftermath of Robin being away all those decades on crusade and finally coming back to discover everything he had abandoned behind him. Um, I was going to say in this case though, we're talking about revolution and. Getting from the position of being a ragtag bang, band of uh, exiled nobles, uh, cashiered officers, um, drunken priests, and uh, renegade sorcerers, or whatever, and making that into something that can march on the capital and challenge the emperor is—it's uh, a very—it's. It, it's tempting. To... It, it's a pattern we've seen before, and it's been fun. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, this... Arguably, a lot of role playing is about f- um, doing stuff in familiar patterns. It, it, can, also... it can withstand cliche a lot better than, say, fantasy or science fiction. It also requires a great deal of plot immunity being given to um, uh, to the cause, if not to the players. I think you could make. You could make a game, I think, in which the individual characters are um, 
are vulnerable and likely to uh, uh, to uh, to die off and fail. But the cause goes on. I've been watching. Um, I've been I've been running uh, uh, Scum and Villainy for a while, and I, I'm going to be running it for a little while longer. And though my though my players haven't chosen to be the revolutionary heroes faction, they 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 feel that scum actual being actual scum and villains is more their style. Mm. The system has a, has a prejudice in favour of letting them get away with it, letting them escape the dire consequences, and not ending up like Bonnie and Clyde, which is a much more likely thing to happen even given that there are star systems between um, uh, them and people who want them just at the moment. Yeah, I think one one way to do that is to have a lot of people involved in the popular movement and they gradually get arrested, shot, whatever. You might want to do um, something with the pattern of the um, of the Last Magica central characters um, but also having minor characters in in the background, everybody having a companion character uh, can be promoted forward, um, and given more responsibility and more more um, screen time uh, when the uh, the when the time comes for the uh, for the previous centralized central character to suffer and um, I don't know get eaten by an oil creature or whatever it is. That happens to people in um, in uh, revolutionary role playing games. I'm also remembering one of the BattleTech novels, which was an unexpected place to find it, um, where a an off world infiltrator is starting a rebellion on the planet, yeah. and what one of his local recruits gets captured, and the 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 powers that be on the planet are are torturing her to try to get information, which largely she doesn't have. But the the main way where she manages to hold out is that's all right. X will rescue me. I'm I'm quite sure of this. Spoiler: X does not rescue her. X makes yeah. no attempt to rescue her. That was not part of the deal, but it was part of the deal that she should believe it. Hmm. That's a beautiful bit of cynicism. I'm not sure it's one that. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, in in the level of realism that uh, that we're going for, booster gold. May actually be a self-serving dick, but inspired by the other heroes he's associating with, he somehow turns around and becomes a wonderful person, even if he does it in secret. I think one of the difficulties in playing the police is that, by the nature of the beast, you're part of a larger organisation. You are the the senior governors of the newly conquered province slash city slash whatever is is a good way of dealing with that. You're you're the people in charge, but and there are people above you, but they're a long way away, so you have a certain amount of local autonomy. But if but if you were say you know a a a small police unit, then possibly you don't have that autonomy because you're just going to be much more under control, which which is always frustrating in an RPG. If you, I think, if you want to make the oppressors sound appealing. You make them the um, uh, the the honest um, representatives of the of the best of the central government. You make them the people who've been sent in to clear out the corruption and uh, uh, and wrongdoing. 
the 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 local well, police. What, what, one way that can happen is the local rebel movement killed the corrupt governor and his staff, and, yes. you, and you are the new ones. Yes, and you are surrounded by half an army because they don't want that happening again. But somehow you've got to get in touch with what's actually happening and you know do something about it. And the and the, uh, and the half an army um, that you are surrounded by, uh, the officers all bought their commissions, and the and the lower ranks are on the take for anything that isn't actually uh, actually mm-hmm. uh, nailed down. Um, the people spit on you uh, in the streets when you go out. So obviously you have to go out in disguise. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, that, I think that that's the sort of spirit you have to approach the uh, the oppression in. That you are, are you are you, you've got enemy, enemies um, clo- closer to you than the rebels. The other thing that occurs to me as a way of putting a thumb on the scales is. Um, let, let us say uh, the, the the rebels blew up a police station, or, or yeah. whatever. And what you see is your mates killed, but also the people who just happened to be walking past killed. Yeah. You could easily make it a, really, uh, this being a fantasy setting. You could easily bring um, the theme of gods and what have you in. You can have the rebels discover something, something of gods who are no longer respected, no longer officially ever having been gods somewhere deep in the water margins, uh, or whatever, or, or the blasted plains, or whatever it is we're going to call the location. And they are doing things that the official religion can't. The official religion is still more powerful. But the snake god or the spider god gives them abilities that are particularly suited for their their attempt to take over the uh, uh, take o- over the mandate of heaven. And it may be um, geographical as well. You know, in this particular, you know, in the marsh or the historical borders of the marsh, which includes the city, um, the, the, there there is a magical ascendancy in this particular direction. And now you talk about the borders of the marsh. I think one of the things that could happen as a theme is the marsh starts expanding, that the land starts turning from the controlled land of the empire into something wild and dangerous. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing the character who who, who is simply a hydrological engineer and, he, and, and the emperor's bureaucracy told him to go and drain the marsh. So, you know, reduce disease, turn it to farmland, yes. all, the, all these yes. good things. Why, why do the locals not want this? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, yeah, you never met the surveyor, did you? It was a sad case, um, uh, he has retired now to uh, somewhere very, a very long way away from here. Uh, up, up, up a mountain, there is one stream, and it's in a culvert. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think I have an answer as to why you might, if given a, a open chance, you could be the um, the reforming uh, uh, the reforming uh, governor who's been sent in to put things right. I mean, it, it may be uncomfortable because to some extent you are still a representative of the colonial power. Um, yeah. Or, or I mean, 
bearing in mind this doesn't it doesn't have to be the recently conquered foreign but it, it could be uh you know you you are victorian police dealing dealing with anarchists fermenting trouble in london uh yeah that the model still works and th- there is this basic problem that on the historical model and generally um the the dominant power is going to run into um committing abuses simply because the sort of people who want to commit abuses are the sort of people who are going to join the dominant power because it lets them do that it's it's yeah. intrinsic to humans so i agree it's 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 definitely a good idea to have a faction nominally on your own side that you have to fight against to to take care of some of that but it is still going to be a bit uncomfortable some of the time your initial suggestion to to pr- produce a balanced thing and then let the players choose which side to be on i'm i'm not at all sure that that is practical i th- i think you need to make the forces of order campaign work i think you need a, quite a lot of thumb on the scales i i think one of, well one of the things that the forces of order campaign can lead to is the realization that you've been sent there by a power that's even more corrupt than you thought it was, and now it's your turn to uh, to march from the provinces or start sending letters to all your friends across the empire. And oh, start... it, 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 if if they kill the two successive governors and all their stuff, well, obviously we would have to impose military rule. It would be very sad, but you know, hmm. the uh, well. I think I think you don't want to bring colonialism into this too much, except that, well, yes, this is a a poorer a poorer land that was settled by less fortunate members of the ruling culture, even if it's not a totally diff- different culture. It's people can feel uh, alienated from people who are nominally of their of their own uh, of their own nation. Uh, just as much as they are from uh, invading foreigners, mm. I think. Mm, I think again. Own... I think. I think this is one of those things where I come back to my standard principle of talk with the players and make sure they're okay with it before you commit yourself. Well, that I think. At the, I think the stage at which I would would go to the players and say, which of these two would you like? Would you be more interested in playing? Um, is is fairly early on in the uh, in in the setting creation. The, the also I mean, it, it flips the other way up as well. I mean, you you can be the genuine revolutionaries who want a better life for everybody, and you have to contend with on your side the bomb throwing idiots, the cynical pawns of a foreign power, all the and rest, the, and and the just plain thieves. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I sort of assume, I sort of assume that it was going into it that you presage the Menshevik Bolshevik um, disagreement, um, or the uh, or the Girondins versus the Jacobins, was it? Um, the 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 tensions between in, inside the revolution that aren't coming to a head just yet. But will sooner or later. Yeah, because right now everybody's pointing in the same direction against the enemy, at yeah. least visibly. At least most of the time, and they and they don't take too much graft. It's always honest graft when they take it. And and the people are happy to pay to fund the revolution. They won't be happy in ten years when it's protection money. Yeah, um, that is a a, a uh, rhetorical difference uh, that applies at most stages of human. Endeavor, 
All right, I think I have the answer that I was looking for. I think I, you have to, uh, the answer to this is whichever side you, you use, you have to create layers, not only in your own side, but in the opposing side as well. Uh, yeah, it, it would be very simple. I, I, I won't say it's completely without value because it can work, but yeah, yeah, a Star Wars level of morality where all the rebels are good guys and all the Imperials are bad guys is, to me at least, not satisfying. Well, I was going to say that, uh, that that something like Dracula Dossier, where the ultimate enemies really are blood-sucking undead, is... Uh, you might imply that something in, at the Imperial Court is perhaps not as it should be, but where you are, people will rise up against um, too obvious an evil, too consistent an evil very easily, well, fairly easily, and mm. um, and you have and you, yeah, I think you have to create a believable opposition, and in some lights, the sheriff of Nottingham is an admirable person. It depends on which version of the story. Well, yeah, um, you at least get the feeling he, uh, in the later tellings that he's competent, unlike Guy of Gisborne. Mm. Okay, well, I think we have uh, thrashed that one out a little bit, um, and I think we will move on. If you have a revolution you're looking to push... Or you you can't it. use my garage, OK? I've, I've done that one. All right. Uh, and, 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 and I'm afraid that the, the money laundering uh, regulations uh, lean upon us terribly he- heavily. But do, do, do send us your pamphlet and your, um, and your recruiting um, uh, spiel for the, uh, for the cause that you are pushing. Um, and uh, please don't do the same with any pamphlets about your gods unless they're really, really very interesting. But you can send all other comments to us uh, via... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at dekeli.ly. And we'll be back with you again as the summer begins to fade. Are we doing um, Are we doing uh, RPG a day this time? Oh, I think we should. All right, all I mean, right. It's a tradition now. You're right, you're right. Who are we to sneer at tradition? We'll be back answering um, random and pointless questions next time.